0: The Zooier Than Thou podcast contains mature content and language, and may not be suitable for younger audiences. Thanks for your understanding.
1: on, you can on, you can
0: Greetings, fellow zoos. And welcome to another enthralling episode of Zooier Than Now. I'm Fausti, International Zoo of Mystery.
2: And I'm Toggle, the Mike Myers version of whatever it is that Fausti is.
0: <laughs> and we will be your hosts for this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> we sure <laughs> will. No, I gotta say. No, you're Fausti. Come on, man. <laughs> you already screwed
2: it oh, no. up. Okay, yeah, I'm anyway. we am so confused. We've, we've, I know. Yeah, we've, we've, we've swapped back to our proper <laughs> okay, identity. So go ahead. Yes, right. Go on.
0: <clears throat> Fausti, I think uh, we have a lot to be thankful for this year.
2: That is unquestionably true.
0: Yeah, I will say myself, I'm really thankful to have gotten to be a part of uh, launching Zooier Than Now and meeting all the wonderful people that I've gotten to meet through this program. Um, being a part of this project has meant a lot for me. And um, I don't know where I'd be. Uh, we're we're in this nine and a half months now, getting in
2: month 10. I can say with, with absolute sincerity that the last 10 months of doing this project with you in particular have really felt like the culmination of more than 25 years of activism in the community. And in that regard, there's a sense of... Um, accomplishment and, and contribution that comes with each one of these episodes and it is an honor to be able to participate. Um, more more than that though on a personal level we have just had a shit ton of fun <laughs> and I also would agree that I cannot imagine where I would be personally at this point without this episode all the great people some amazing people in particular who have come mm. into my life as a result of this podcast that I can't imagine life without right. and it is an incredible positive experience that we have had from beginning to end.
0: Not only that but this year has been a uh... Uh, A Very much a blessing in your life for multiple reasons. When we started this podcast, I
2: had been several months previously diagnosed with terminal stage 4 metastatic malignant melanoma that had spread to my lungs. And this was really intended to a degree as my swan song. And my last opportunity to give something back before I wrapped up shop and, and headed on to greener pastures, as it were. And uh, despite that uh, diagnosis and the many challenges that have come with that along the way, uh, some of which we've shared on the podcast, some of which have been uh, a a part of my life that has uh, really best been kept to close friends and family because there's nothing fun about those parts. Uh, here I am 10 months later still alive and more than alive with a relatively optimistic prognosis at this point and no real explanation for it other than my doctors telling me that it is of central importance to have something worth living for to stay alive. And I certainly mm. have many things worth living for and I do credit that with the fact that I'm here today. Yeah,
0: And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, so this is going to be a very thankful episode of Zeroer Than Now, and... One thing that I am super thankful for in my life is all of the people around me that support me. And that includes people who are not of the Zooey Persuasion. Very much so. And we will be interviewing some of the people in our lives, um, collectively Zoo's lives, who are not Zoo's. But who still remain an important part of our lives and our support networks. I felt that this episode was super important to do because I worry that... There may be some zoos that don't have that support network and don't believe that it's possible. Right. And I think hearing from non-zoos, like, we've done the interviews already. This is kind of the the wrap-up here, the (laughs) intro. Um, And I got to tell you, like, I'm really excited to share these interviews with you because... Uh, They're really inspiring. I come at this
2: from a a somewhat unique perspective in that uh, I'm often uh, told by others in the community or others share their concerns with me that if their uh, status as a zoo were to be known to others in their life who are not zoos, they fear with good reason that they would be rejected or ostracized or or lose those relationships and be you know without support and without connections. And I I honor the reality of those concerns. Those are not empty concerns. At the same time, having been out for more than a decade, we'll just leave it at that because it makes me feel old to say just how long and I am old, which is why I don't like to be reminded that I'm old. Um, I look around in my life as an out zoo And the vast majority of folks who are part of my support network in the world, by definition, are not zoos. And I think, well, no, there's a lot of people who are not zoos who are entirely comfortable with having even the world's most notorious zoo, which I have been called (laughs) more than once uh, in their life. And, And they don't seem to have any particular issue one way or another so long as I'm a good person overall and it is it is uh, I think glad tidings that we bring in this episode and something that we are all thankful for Mm -hmm. that our status as zoos does not mean that we lack the opportunity to have the kind of support from others that's so important to us as social mammals
0: right and that is part of the anti-zoo narrative is that yes we are alone and no one else could possibly support who we are And that's a lie. And I'm thankful to have this opportunity to expose that lie by having our friends uh, join us and talk to us on this podcast. Up first, uh, we'll be talking to uh, Love Cat's friend, Bob. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next, we'll be talking to Doodle's girlfriend, who is not a zoo. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we'll be talking to my friend, Justin. Uh, Personal friend is actually going to come join us in the Mm -hmm. studio, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we have a fascinating conversation with him to close out the episode. So sit back and relax and enjoy this very thankful episode of Zooier Than Thou. On behalf of everybody here at
2: the podcast, I would also say that we are thankful for the contributions, support, and Uh, Engagement that we have with all of our Mm -hmm. listeners—it has been our honor to build the podcast, and we are truly thankful to everyone who is part of the Zooier than Thou world. And we look forward to another year of hijinks, shenanigans, and zooish good times, for which we will be thankful next year at this time of year.
0: Hell yeah! All right. Without further ado, our first guest is a friend of the friend of our show, Love Cat, (laughs) and his name is Bob. Uh, aptly named, he is our First Nanzu ally So I want to thank you for joining us, Bob Thank you for coming and talking with us It's super great to have you here
3: Thanks for having me, I'm, I'm glad to be here
2: Thank you for taking yeah. the time to do this with uh, us We do appreciate it
0: Yeah. So I guess we'll jump right in So let's start from the beginning uh, How did you and Lovecat meet?
3: Uh, Lovecat and I met at a music event um, mm-hmm. In Southern California Cool uh, we, um, we hadn't ever like met each other and Mm -hmm. i didn't really know um obviously that he was a zoo straight off until i got to know him a little bit more personally and he was comfortable enough around me to know that like okay this is a person that's not gonna like throw judgment on me or Mm -hmm. like throw me away as a person just because you know i may i may have some um beliefs or or um things about me that make me really different from let's say a normal
0: mm-hmm. person <laughs> we'll use that um, so You said you you met at a music festival, but you had not met each other. Did you, like, meet online and then met up at a music festival?
3: No, like, it was kind of just, I was, I came out with a group of friends, and he came out by himself, and he was just kind of walking around, like, when he got there, and Mm -hmm. I saw him, and he was wearing some cool sunglasses, and we just started talking, and,
0: (laughs) That is the music, that's the music event uh, aesthetic right there. Yeah. Cool sunglasses,
3: bro.
2: When you first met him, you did not meet him with his partner. You met him as a standalone individual, correct?
3: Correct. Mm-hmm. At the time he did not have a, a partner. Yeah, mm-hmm. got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. So you guys hit it off.
0: Um, just kind of started hanging out. Uh, how, how long ago was this?
3: Uh, this was back in 2016. All right. So you've oh.
0: been friends for about four years now. That's awesome. I guess the next obvious question is: I know you kind of touched on this just a little bit, but uh, eventually he trusted you enough uh, to come out as a zoo. What was it like when he when he first came out to you?
3: Um, I was I was like surprised. Like I, I didn't know he he didn't give me any like hints about it besides that he cared about animals and and you know he loved animals, but he didn't he didn't like you know show any signs that like. This is what I'm about. This is really what I'm about. It was more like I knew he was um, like his sexuality was different, mm-hmm. but I didn't know to to what extent.
2: Mm.
3: Because mm. I, I, I think like when it's, when it's this subject, it's really hard to come out to someone that you don't really know because you can get some mm-hmm. really bad reactions, even from someone that you thought you trusted. Because... Mm-hmm. It's it's such like a, a taboo topic, sexuality in general. Even even if we're not touching on on zoo, mm,
2: that's true. Actually, when you look back at that conversation, do you feel like this was something that maybe he had planned, or maybe you and he have talked about it since then? Was it something that he had planned out in advance, or was it an opportunity where things? just developed in a certain direction and he became comfortable and you feel like he decided that that was the right time to do it at sort of spur of the moment
3: I think he definitely thought about it okay. and like when and when because he told me some other like personal things about his past like nothing nothing to do with, with Zoo but just like personal things from his past that I'm not going to mm-hmm. share because I don't have his permission right, right. But absolutely, absolutely. <laughs>
0: exactly yeah we appreciate that <laughs> yeah
3: So I think after he was after he shared those personal things, you know about his past that he Mm -hmm. thought okay Then if he can handle that he can handle this
0: Ah, So it's kind of like he felt you out like by giving you yeah, I totally I've done that before (laughs) then I've definitely done that. So it's like, you know, actually other people have done to me as well It's been like, you know, there's you know, there's things about me that you know, some people might find weird you're like, oh, well, I, you know, I think you're you're cool, so that's fine. He's like, okay, well, here's, here's a small thing. Oh, that's cool. All right, well, a little bit more.
2: <laughs> when, when you look back on that conversation, do you feel that he did either a good job or the best job he could have in, for lack of a, a better way to phrase it, in preparing you for the discussion and in... Um, and in, uh, let's say, laying the ground f- for what appears to have ended up being uh, a productive and and healthy and positive uh, interaction, we, we often have questions from others in the community who haven't come out. To really anybody else outside our community, mm-hmm. like how does it work? What's it like? Um, what what should I do? What should I not do? You have a privileged position in being on the other side of that table from Lovecat. Any advice uh, th- that you would share, or memories from that conversation that you feel like he did a particularly good job in setting the stage for a productive conversation?
3: I honestly, I really don't remember even like the exact moment <laughs> that the conversation yeah. happened, right. but. Well, Long time ago, um, but mm-hmm. I would say that him making sure that he was comfortable and confident around me and had you know was open for questions if if I if I had any well, um, so- was was yeah. was big a big thing in making me like you know obviously I was a little a little uncomfortable at first because I didn't know anything about it besides you know that. It was um uh sexuality with 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 animals right and, mm-hmm. and and i and for me as as a non-zoo i had i have a, a little bit of experience like international culturally i've traveled all over the world i know Ooh. that zoo mm-hmm. um is part of the culture in in certain latin cultures where right. like as young boys their yep. their first sexual experience is with a donkey, like that's just right. mm-hmm. part of their culture. Yep, that's yep. The zoo, being a zoo. Zoo is part of of becoming a man. So right. I know that it's like it's not, it's not like completely out of the spectrum for for humans to to want to get involved in. It's Got just it. not something mm-hmm. that I had ever thought about or or been attracted to. It's just kind of like okay, this is just something sexually that humans, um, human partake in, and I think so another reason oh sorry another reason that i think going back to why he felt comfortable um i think i shared with him something very personal with me regarding my sexuality got it Mm. and 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 it and and a kink of mine not necessarily related to zoo but i Mm -hmm. shared a kink of mine that maybe he's like oh like he has you know a weird kink too he might understand because he has a weird kink and a kink that i'm not comfortable sharing with anyone so like you, I'm not comfortable mm-hmm. sharing. Myking with anyone. I haven't come out to anyone except Lovecat. Got it.
2: So mm-hmm. the, the discussion, the, the concept, or, or the or the uh, topic of sexuality had been something that you and he had discussed in 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 terms previously. You know, in regards to you, and that mm-hmm. m- maybe helped in that he, he didn't just jump into hey, speaking of sex, how about this? Because that was already <laughs> something that was part of the dialogue between mm-hmm. the two of you, right?
3: Right. And Lovecat and I also had. Um, like we, we hung out a lot, um, Mm -hmm. under, under, like, you know, we were, we were tripping together. So we kind of got (laughs) vulnerable together and in a way that's, you know, very different from hanging out normally, like walls were, walls were melted down and just, you know, you connect (laughs) with that, you connect with that person in a way that it's difficult to connect with just, you know, with over a drink. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Now he's he's definitely um, a a very big proponent of um, psychoactive therapy. Plur. uh, Plurry. He's he's old school
2: plurry, I would say, as as an old school participant in the culture that, uh, you know, that I think there's an embrace that he has of the opportunity for expanding one's self-awareness and awareness of the world uh, through the the types of communities and the types of activities that that uh, you know that brought the two of you together and and i think that would be a great example mm-hmm. of the way that that kind of experience and that kind of environment allows people to open up and to find others in the world uh, that resonate strongly with them and that they come to mm-hmm. call close friends right right
0: right let me ask you a quick question so now your friend has come out to you as a zoo um, you obviously had some familiarity with different types of human sexuality uh, as you mentioned uh, now you know your friend that you've you've spent time bonding with and shared secrets with has told you that he's a zoo so what for you I mean what happened for you after that
3: basically um, after that I, I had a few questions you know mm-hmm. um, I didn't like question him too much just because like it it felt like I was crossing like really personal boundaries. Mm. Like when, when I talked about that subject, because I knew that it was like, he hadn't really told anyone besides like his, his family, um, part of his family might know. Um, but like, other than that, it's, it was like, okay, so now this is, this is who you are. I kind of like, you know, it makes sense now that this is, This is what you what you like you've 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 expressed to me how much you love your animals and that you had a really Mm -hmm. special bond Mm -hmm. with your animals but I didn't know what that special Mm -hmm. bond entailed until he you know fully came out of zoo so for
0: you and you uh, and I asked this just because I I'm I'm thinking of different people's experiences that I've heard for you you didn't feel the need to go and explore uh, the idea of zoo any further it's just like you know this is my friend this is who he is? I accept that. Uh is that kind of the gist of it?
3: Yeah, that's definitely the gist of it.
0: Hmm. I love that. So how would you guys, how would you describe your relationship four years later with them?
3: <laughs> so now like uh I just started I just started a new job, and I'm going to school. I haven't really like. Love cat and I used to hang out like a lot more than we used to. Now we're only hanging out like once every month or two. I wish we mm-hmm. could hang out more. Um, so hopefully we can make that happen in the future. Um, cool. But that's that's where we're at. We're still we're still in contact. Uh, we're just not uh, hanging out as much anymore because I'm busy. He's working a lot, and he's getting involved with. You know, he just recently started reaching out and getting involved in the zoo community and once Mm -hmm. he did that you know he he started connecting with other zoos and i think that was really good for him Mm -hmm. and it made me like want to like look at myself and be like oh like why am i not connecting with you know other people that have my same Mm -hmm. you know kink and 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 trying to go into that community um so that's something i've thought about since he did that and that's an influence he's had on me Mm -hmm. um as a person and his his journey. I love
0: that. So the zoo's journey has inspired your journey. Yes. I love that. And I was going to say, so it's not a matter of of growing distance since then. It's more of a matter of um, life happening. (laughs) Life
3: happening for both of us. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Just a a new era in life. We're not necessarily... We just don't have as much time to hang out and... And hopefully that will change in the future.
2: Yeah. Does that feel like a healthy thing for Lovecat, um, or does it feel like you've lost something in the friendship that you and he have shared over time?
3: Oh no, I definitely think it's a healthy thing for Lovecat. It's something that, like, I I told him to do Got at it. another uh, music event that we were with that he was having an especially difficult time, you know, with mm. his identity, with his sexuality. I told him, like, look, like, there's people out there. There's a community out there mm. that will love you and accept you and embrace you. Mm and and i said you will you you need to find that community and like you know and, and get involved in it because i could see just like how much it was killing him inside just trying to connect with you know mm-hmm. another human and just being scared as shit mm-hmm. to show who he really is that was wonderful
2: advice mm. you shared with him The question I I would have for you, or maybe the advice I would seek from you, follows up uh, with a a previous question of mine, as as someone from outside our community who has come to know someone in our community through a a process of discussion and coming out, what advice would you have for listeners to our podcast, who are zoos, who are thinking about doing this with friends of theirs? Um, the the good the bad uh, what you think is important what you think is uh, optional uh, what it, what tactics what what uh, whether it's a good idea whether it's a bad idea basically open ended uh, for our listeners what would you say as an ally to our community and as a friend to one of us
3: I would personally I would I would start talking about sexuality not necessarily zoo specifically but just like bring up the talk of sexuality and weird sexual things if you can talk about like you know kinks and and sexuality with someone Mm -hmm. and it's okay then you can kind of get a feel for like okay maybe i can Maybe I can bring up, you know, something more personal if if you can kind of gauge their reaction, how comfortable they are talking about sexuality mm-hmm. and you you kind of have to know the person um, to the level of like, are they a judgmental person? Are they like an, an open, loving, you know, forgiving person? Mm-hmm. Like all these things are factors in into sharing, you know, that. Mm-hmm personal part of your, your sexuality. Very good. I,
0: I think when you actually start talking with people uh, about sexuality, they set up their boundaries pretty quickly. So it's pretty easy to gauge once you're at that level of conversation, um, what kind of things you can share with them. Would you say would you agree with
3: that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Like once the topics come up, like it's gonna be pretty clear how comfortable they are, if they get quiet, if they like look away, you know, their body their body posture and stuff. Um mm-hmm. Just how I think. They also, they'll reverse. they'll just
0: straight up tell you like, no, nah, you know, this is all good except for this. This is not good. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. It's like I just everything's fine except like I I, I don't agree with this. Like you know, there's like mm-hmm. other like um, you know topics maybe like consensual non consent mm. that might get some like um, nasty looks too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure what what would trigger every individual person, but I'm sure there's some stuff out there.
2: <laughs> I think that my, my final question for you in this vein, what has Lovecat done after that initial conversation to keep the door open for you to have the opportunity to discuss um, this topic with him or learn more about our community as you felt Yeah, uh, you know interest or desire to do and and what would you say are best practices for that kind of thing from his standpoint
3: he's left the door open by kind of like sharing his journey with me um into the zoo community meeting you guys um just you know the different kind of of people he's meeting along the way and who, how he's helping, how he's getting involved. Just, I I know that if I have questions, I can just go to him and and, and ask them and it's not a big deal. Gotcha, Um, makes sense. uh, There's just just certain things that I haven't like fried at. Like I haven't like gone into the details of like, so how does it work with your partner? Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't, I haven't like done (laughs) done that, you know? Um, I kind of just like, you know, You guys have a relationship. you love her and Mm -hmm. you know that you just make it work would you (laughs) i just like leave the rest up to my imagination i guess
2: would you say that you you feel that he has left that door open such that if you were interested in having those more detailed discussions you would feel comfortable doing that with him
3: yeah absolutely very good i could definitely answer uh, ask him a question and he would feel comfortable talking about it with me and in fact he probably um would be very open to talking about it with me just because he's never really like Talked or opened up to many non-zoos before. Gotcha.
2: Makes sense. Mm. I would again offer our gratitude for the time you spent with us this evening and also for your friendship with Lovecat. He's a great uh, great friend and a, a genuinely um, amazing person. And um, he, uh, he is fortunate to have you as a friend and we are fortunate to have had the time to speak with you tonight.
3: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad I was able to kind of come on and shed some uh, perspective from... Uh, a non-zoo side of things who's gotten to know a zoo and kind of uh, been involved in his journey um, into the community and like really like becoming comfortable with who he is and finding happiness in that
0: oh man i love that thank you so much honestly just uh an ally a non-zoo coming and talking with our podcast means a lot to us and i know it's going to mean a lot to our community as well
3: well, I'm glad. I hope that it helps um, some zoos in the community to be able to find some people that they can trust and, and open up to and, you know, make some ally friends because there's other people out there that have, you know, big hearts and and non non-judgmental ways of thinking that they can, you know, fit you in their world in in their in 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 the in the perspective of things where okay this is not necessarily an evil it's just different well
0: mm-hmm. said absolutely this next interview was originally recorded for episode 7 women in the zoo community uh it was our interview with kitty which is doodle's girlfriend but it was lost due to corruption issues and we were able to recover it. So without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Kitty. Welcome back zoos. We have another wonderful guest for this episode. Uh, we would like to introduce you to Kitty. Um, you may have heard of her as our previous guest Doodle's girlfriend. We want to thank her for coming on and welcome her. Uh, to the show. Hi! <laughs> Welcome to the show, and
2: thank you so much for coming. Yep, We, we are very grateful that you could come. My um, uh, first question for you, uh, while Toggle pretends to be organized in the background, is... Uh, have you had the opportunity? Or were you so interested to um, listen to the interview that we did with your better half or worse half, as the case may be, uh, in an earlier episode of Zooier than Thou
1: Um, I actually didn't get to listen to that. I mean, I have heard good yeah. things. So hopefully, he said nice things about me, or else, or else <laughs> he did, he did say nice things actually.
2: He 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 legitimately did say many nice things mm-hmm. about you, and uh, I spoke very highly of you and uh well i don't think really much else of substance took place did it toggle something something uh, i mean something? we had a, um, bad jokes and so on good and so forth it was a conversation
0: but um true What? Is, there's an interesting dynamic uh that you are a part of which is being in a relationship with a zoo exclusive male uh and we're interested in hearing uh from your perspective uh you know uh what what that's like and what what are the the great parts and what are the challenges that you have to deal with? Well,
1: I guess, like, from the beginning, like, it was... When he told me, I was kind of like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, like, ooh, ooh. You know, like, I was freaking out because I didn't really know mm-hmm. how to take it at first. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, I basically told him, you no know, I'm really open-minded and I've already, like, you know, we started something and I'm already in love with you, so this shouldn't really change anything of my feelings. Right. I just from there, it's it's been a challenge. You know, it's always like when you first get in a relationship, it's like, you know like you're kind of like in a honeymoon stage and you're, you know, everything's going mm-hmm. really really good. And then I think after, I don't know, like eight months, you know, then you know, things start getting more serious and then the challenges start mm-hmm. of like, I guess some of the bad things is like I had to learn, you know, not to be jealous right and that was really hard on me because mm-hmm. i'm not used to that because mm-hmm. before i was in previous relationships i didn't have to do that right right and i just basically had to learn from there and i i mean it was days where i would be like oh i can't do this anymore and then there's mm-hmm. days where i'm like i had to you know think of all the good and positive things mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it's just, it's been, it's like an up and down thing. Right. With us, it's more of like, I guess, emotional. I like that me and him can actually like talk. Yeah. Hmm. I guess like relationships I've been in, they've never really like gone like that. It's always just argument, argument, argument. And- ow. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, ow.
2: Yeah. yeah and uh, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt her. I cannot hold myself back from interrupting because you, you are an extraordinary woman. Just like the, way that you're framing this and approaching this relationship and the integrity and honesty with which you're engaging in this conversation is stunning just simply put i don't know where to go with that except to say that are you aware of the fact that your your capability willingness and and um and competence in tackling these challenges and these questions are you aware of how unusual and extraordinary that is or does this seem normal to you
1: um i guess like half and half
2: i i I, you i mean how extraordinary you like this is your positive approach to this is spectacularly um illustrative and beautiful and i'm just needing to emphasize that this is wonderful in, in so many ways and and I'm wondering whether you are aware of how wonderful you are being in this, or does this just reflect the way that you approach life in general? I know that sounds like a Ugh. fawning question, because it mm. is, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it.
1: <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, I like to be positive, and I'm really open-minded, like, I don't want to be closed-minded, okay. because... I don't know, like, I, I've i never liked to be like that because I felt like, you know, everyone deserves a chance. Everything deserves a chance. I have always have that mindset of, oh, I'm going to try it once. If I don't like it, I don't like it. Great. I just always had that mindset and I always thought it, you know, it worked out a lot better that way because I don't want to judge people like that.
2: He is extraordinarily fortunate to have you
0: in his life. (laughs) That makes me feel better. (laughs) So, uh, maybe this is a personal question. If it is, you don't have to answer it. You don't have to answer anything that makes you uncomfortable. Uh, What is it that that drew you to someone like Doodle in the first place? (laughs) Well,
1: when, I don't know, when we met, I was kind of like, it was kind of thrown at me. And I wasn't expecting it because before I met him, I was in a relationship for four years and I was engaged.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: And my previous just randomly like dumped me. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was really fucked up. And, uh, after that, like, I think like a month or two, I met him and I don't know, like we just clicked immediately. Like he was really funny he was just really interesting. I loved the way that he would just talk about random things that I had no idea what in the world he was talking about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we know we know yeah. what you mean. Uh, we are familiar with that with Doodle. Oh, God, yeah. And
1: I'm just kind of like sitting there like, oh, okay, sure, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, you know, this is not so bad. You know, like, it's nice. You know, like, I don't have to, like, be always the one having to start something or, you know, like, something random. It's, it's nice. And it was kind of like, I don't know, like a... Mm-hmm. A new thing, mm-hmm. and we just started talking, and it just got better and better. Like the more I got to know him, the more I just really fell in love with him, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy just just being with him. Oh. Like I, I don't, we don't even have to do anything. We just sit and just like chill, and it's like so nice. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in my past stuff, I couldn't do that. It's really nice.
2: Is it safe to say that you felt something special with him fairly early in? the time period after you met him. Yeah.
1: It was really weird for me because I've never felt that way. And that's what really mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. drew me into him more. Right. And I just knew mm-hmm. I've even told him, I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to be with you. I don't care what anyone says. I don't, I don't care. I just know it's just there, you, you know,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and I just, mm-hmm. I
4: agree. and
1: ever since then, I, I, we've been good nice yeah,
2: this is very romantic yeah. profoundly so in in the in the in the most beautiful wonderful possible way i mean that prior to well the two i actually have two yeah. questions both of which are, are kind of zooey because that just is the nature of the way our brains work <laughs> to a degree uh prior to meeting him and coming to know him more closely um what if any expectations or assumptions or preconceptions or stereotypes did you have about zoos or about our community if any
1: well I really didn't know too much he just kind of like told me and I was like oh well I mean they're just like everyone else but you guys just have something that's a little bit different and so that's what I like I like things that are different and I was like oh well everyone's different you know at the same time you guys have like something special and unique about you know, yourselves and it's, it's nice.
2: Honestly, candidly, what, what, uh, what were those uh, expectations, perceptions. conceptions, mm-hmm. uh, perceptions, you're not going to hurt our feelings because we're already <laughs> crushed. Um, but, I'm uh, dead
0: motherfucker. I can't be crushed.
2: What, <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, did, what did you bring to the table? And prior to, you know, learning that, that this was uh, part of who he is.
1: Well, before I met him, I, I'm actually really religious mm-hmm. so when I first met him I was like oh mm-hmm. hell no like I was I was like nope but I was more of like if <laughs> you want to do that that's fine that's all you whatever makes you happy mm. but to me I was like uh oh, no that's mm-hmm. that's not for me you know I wasn't raised like that I've never had those types of feelings right. it's whatever so then right. when I met him and he told me I was like oh my god <laughs> wow okay yeah I was like really freaking out over it and then I kind of got over it, and I was like, eh, I mean, I don't really know anything, so why am I judging right. that's that's wow. a pretty that, uh...
4: again
2: that's incredibly yeah. intellectually <laughs> honest know. and you know
0: <laughs> See, not not many people go to the I don't really know anything about this, so why am I judging uh, that's not a, a place that's easy to get to
2: your religious background if uh, if I may ask and if that's not uh, probing would be
1: oh um christian my uh family's been very religious ever since i was a child it's always just been drilled into my mind and uh when i got out of that i was just more open-minded and i was like well i don't you know i mean i was taught that but i always told myself like if i don't really know anything about something i can't really completely judge on it that's why i'm like if people if that makes people happy why not like cool like I'm happy for them do you
2: consider yourself t- to be practicing as a Christian at this point or you, you said when you got out of well that...
1: I meant like when I was like when I used to go like constantly now it's just more of like when okay. I have time <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean like I still consider myself that but at the same time it's like there's a lot of debates <laughs>
0: uh, I mean enough. I was always told that the, the, the thing that strengthens you as a Christian is, is being able to question the things that, that you're told um, and then find the answers that way. So I don't think there's anything wrong with healthy skepticism. Nor is there anything wrong with Great. faith, right?
1: I I always tell myself like I have faith, and that's what I believe, and that's I think that's all that matters, at least to me. Right.
2: Yeah, that's fine. And uh, the second um, unashamedly zoo question I would have is: Are, are you uh, someone who has a background in horses? Is are, are horses part of your life? Are you a horse person? Grew up riding horses. Never really you know, spent much time around horses. Do you like, what's the, what's your, do your, does your world and the world of horses intersect in any way prior to meeting? him?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, before I met him, I did not like horses at all. They terrified me. Oh no. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Like they okay. terrified
1: me because I had an incident when I was younger where one of my friends had horses and she had a birthday And I actually saw her mom get knocked off and her leg got broken. And I'm like, oh no, I'm never going on that.
0: Ooh. Oh no. Wow.
1: Yeah, and it's like terrified me ever since. It's very funny.
0: Actually, there are a lot of zoos that I've talked to that are like, when I was young, I was scared of dogs. um, Or uh, things like that. Like, Mm. one person was like, I thought the dogs were gross. I was so scared. And then like, I got knocked over by a big dog. He started making out with me and everything changed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so scary <laughs> like, and, then, and then I realized oh hell yeah dogs are amazing like what was I thinking
0: what was yeah. I thinking so, sure enough. but now I know uh, for instance so, you have been yeah, working you, with you, uh, Doodle uh, he's been teaching you a little bit about horses is that right
1: yeah he has I've gotten a little bit more comfortable I mean I'm not like terrified of them okay. anymore but like I'm still skeptical because I'm like I don't I don't know what they're gonna do. <laughs> like I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'm
2: skeptical. That's a great word, skeptical. I'm just skeptical. <laughs> I don't know. The, I don't know this horse. You never know what they're up to.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. When you when you think about horses, and I'm this is you know me obsessing about horses, of course. Uh, of
4: course.
2: When you when you look at a horse or horses in general, what I mean, apart from being intimidating and large and able to kick and cause damage, which is all true, what what is it about them that stands out to you?
1: <sighs> well, I think with them, I've always felt that they're actually very beautiful. I think they're beautiful creatures. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've always felt like that. Like, I've never, like, I mean, I'm scared of them, but I never thought, like, oh my God, that's ugly. What's that coming at me? Like, no. Like, I just felt like gotcha. they're actually very beautiful creatures. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I've always admired how, like, mm-hmm. really pretty they can be. Like, I love their different patterns, and they look very interesting. It's just, like, to me, I guess, like, they're such big creatures. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get my ass kicked or something.
2: Sure. <laughs> that, that, I'm always surprised when I meet people who, who maybe don't have a deep background in horses, and yet are completely um, unintimidated in any way by a 1,500-pound horse, as if there's nothing extraordinary about a large animal that could easily kill you in a heartbeat if he or she wanted right. to. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not scared of them. And I think, wow, that's uh, pretty stupid smart, on your part you? because the horses are... <laughs> yeah, that's, it just always surprises me that you know they're, they're not they're intimidated or cowed or they just sort of look at them as giant stuffed animals or something. Yeah, and ooh, I think, no, man, no, no, you no. just don't whoa, yeah. Like, where did that come from? You know? Yeah. <clears throat> so you have mm-hmm. a sort of an intuitive sense that these are serious people mm-hmm. and that things could go wrong. Cause you've seen things go wrong. before. Yeah.
1: Right? I mean, it's different. Like okay. when my boyfriend has shown me like with him, he has no fear with him at all. And that just like completely blows yeah. me away. I'm just like, whoa, like, I wish I had those balls, but I don't.
2: I would. <laughs> so does Toggle. For what oh it's my worth. God. Um,
0: <clears throat> Speaking of no balls, I was just
2: about. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yes, Toggle. You were saying. <laughs> I, was uh, say. yeah. I was just about to ask, actually, when you watch him with horses, what strikes you, or, or what? What do you see? And you've already kind of answered that in a sense. You You see him inter- interacting with horses in a different way than you feel comfortable doing. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been like. Yeah. It's uh, it's different. I, after a while, it just didn't bother me at first. I like I said, I went through like a whole jealousy thing. Right. It's more of like I accept it because it makes him happy, and if it makes him happy, it makes me happy. And I've had to learn that. It was, like, a really, like, hard thing to learn because I've never gone through that. Right. I just, I've had to accept it after a while, and it's it's a lot better this way.
2: Right. Because before, I was just miserable. How would this be different if he was dating another woman as opposed to the relationship that he's in with somebody else as a zoo?
1: I guess, like, for me, because I'm, I guess, me, I guess in the human relationship, I don't feel that that's right. Right. This is different. Like I said, I have no idea. Like, I mean, I do have an idea, but to me, I feel like I'm still learning where I actually stand. What am I like doing? How do I do this? I think
2: we're all doing that in any relationship. (laughs) It's probably actually true. (laughs) Do you feel that his relationship with his non-human partner takes something away from your relationship with him? Add something to it, or doesn't really affect in any substantive way your relationship with him.
1: I think the only thing I, I guess that like we have an issue is with the whole like us having sex. Like everything about that is super like complicated. That's the best word I can understand. Say right. yeah. like yes. it's very complicated because yeah. there's yeah. days. Where like I'm like hey you know we should do something he's like ha, no we ain't get shit and I'm like oh okay well damn all right well
2: bye <laughs> I'm laughing with you not at you but I, I have been in this type of relationship for many years mm-hmm. um in in a past in, in my past so I am not laughing at this I'm laughing with this because I've I've been that and I I think I can totally resonate with that. Complicated thing you're you're talking about right there, and yeah, it's complicated. That's that's not we don't really have a way to frame that. Very like, I, what do you do individually, or you and he together to uh, to make that complication either something positive, or at the very least something ooh, that isn't like painful. manageable, manageable, yeah. or or good.
1: I guess the only good thing I can say we're still working on that. Like that's like that's I can well definitely said. say is the only problem in our relationship is i know a lot of people like oh no that can't be true no like we work very well as a team we really agree with each other we work well with each other but with that that is so complicated like it is very complicated that's tough yeah what
2: what do do you feel comfortable talking with him about that complication in a way that, that you feel is able to, you know, keep it within the space of, of, of communication in your relationship, or, is, or are there parts of that that kind of slip out of communication and you feel like you can't really talk to?
1: Uh, I, it's like, I think it depends on the day, because there's days where I'm like, oh, you know, like, I'm really frustrated. Good. Can we talk about this? And then it turns into like, oh, we're, we're talking about the same old thing like we always do, and I'm just like, uh, well, you know. <laughs> Would be nice if I got some attention, you know, just a little bit. And it's just, Mm -hmm. there's really days where he's like, oh, you know, I understand, but, you know, like, we'll talk about it, but... To me sometimes it feels like there's you're not looking for talk. I'm not looking for talk like can you like do anything like I've gotten to a point where sometimes I've been desperate like it sounds so <laughs> pathetic like it really does can you no, do
2: anything. It's not pathetic. No, no, no. no like Yeah, no. Got to have it. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing pathetic about wanting intimacy with somebody you right. love. Please no. no. That's not
1: Yeah, right. it's just it, like some days I'm like oh my god like you know, you have a problem. And I'm like, then I'm like, no, I don't. I know I'm not. And it's just like, it's a constant struggle inside. We'll have a
2: talk with him about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We'll have a little talk too about that. Uh, I don't
1: know. It's more of like, he'll say like, oh, you know, I feel really bad about that. And it's all just talk. There's no action. And that's what really upsets me because it's like, you can talk all you want, but if you're not doing anything and you're not gonna like work with me what am i supposed to do and then you wonder why i'm upset or whatever
2: you can talk all you want that's great (laughs) yep that is so um um one beautifully honest i'm because they just it's you're able to 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 bring these things you know to the front and and put them forward in a way that is genuine and i just everything about this feels healthy to me. Uh, I can't promise that this will work for you or is working for you. I can tell you that the alternative of not having the capabilities and self confidence you have make this almost impossible to do. So I have nothing but respect
0: for that.
1: Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I try. (laughs) Um,
0: Actually, the first time I met you was, uh, in dealing with a, a certain issue that we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, Something about what was being said resonated with you. Uh, we had a, an issue in the chat where some people were being very misogynistic, um, and you were able to come in to first of all the fact that you are a non-zoo that can kind of weigh in on zooish things uh, without you know judgment is really cool. First of all, um, and so it was great to hear you you come in and have that perspective. So. As someone from the outside looking into the zoo community, uh, what is your perspective on uh, the position of uh, women in our community and the kinds of things that you've witnessed?
1: Well, I have I actually haven't really seen that many of them. And that's what kind of, like, kind of bothers me. I'm like, wow, where's where's the women at? Like, I mean, right. I'm sure there are. And it'd be nice to see them more. And it would be nice if, you know, they, I guess... Stuck out more, like actually say something, do something. They can, you know, like it would be a lot better. Why do you think that's the case? Why
2: why do you think that that they're they're not as visible as you would expect? Yeah,
1: I feel like they don't want to be judged. They don't want to be looked at as if, like, I, I guess to me, I guess to them, I don't, I don't really know. But if it was me, I would feel like I was being really judged. And when I say judged, I mean like anything I say is like against me. Anything I do is being like,
0: oh, well, okay. Well, uh, she's just a woman or some shit like that? Uh,
1: yeah, like, oh, she's just a woman. It doesn't matter what she says or does. And then, like, there's mostly judgment. Like, oh, well, you're just doing that for that. And it's like, no, I'm being just like everyone else. Wow. But I just feel like with women, it's different. That's terrible. Yeah.
2: Really just. And so that that kind of um, denigration of, of, you know, a, a woman's, anything she, she, her perspective her her opinions her contributions is that something you you see ac- across um you, you know our culture our society or is that something that you think might be more or less uh, a, an issue within the zoo community I
1: think it might be in there I I mean I've seen a little bit but like I can't completely judge on it because I haven't really you know, fully You're not immersed in it. You know? And, but from what I have seen, I mean, I, it's not, it doesn't look good. It just, it's not, I feel like they deserve more. Mm-hmm. They deserve more of a platform. They deserved more, you know, a lot of recognition because like, it mm. takes a lot for women in this world to All do it. something. And a lot of people don't really, you know, understand that. Like how hard it is to be a woman. There's always a standard that we have to be. And mm. that's ridiculous. It should never be like that
0: what is something that our community could do to help amplify women's voices in our community? Giving them a chance. In what way?
2: Give give us tools. Yeah, in what ways?
0: I
1: guess with just more, like, I don't know, with... I guess with more, I guess, understanding, letting, like, people, like, in more, like, actually understanding and not letting them just be just there. Because I feel like people just are, like, with women we're just there. We don't say anything, we don't do anything, but you know we're there, but actually like include them in things. Huh. Actually like, you know, you know, actually like talk to them and like, you know, figure things out and have more of a voice, I guess, in a ways that I guess there's I know there's a lot of men in cool. your guys' community, but it'd always be nice to actually have different perspectives of things. I guess just, you know, Real you know, we fit. think and feel way differently than men.
2: Yes. You're like way smarter than us, basically. <laughs> yeah. True. I'm agreed.
0: So, well, I guess uh, hearing that, uh, what we're hoping to do with this episode of the podcast is kind of give women that chance to, uh, yeah, to be heard. Pr- provide
2: the opportunity. We're, yeah, we're not giving anybody anything, right? right. You're
0: right. You're right. We want to provide uh, the opportunity for them to have yeah. uh, the some of the platforms they may have been denied, for instance, uh, to amplify also. the voices that uh, are being overshadowed by other, other things. Um, and we're hoping right. that by the end of this episode of podcast, uh, that women, uh, uh, not just women actually, but you know, trans people, non-binary people, uh, also feel like they also- have a place to, like, uh, they, that they can come to us and be a part of the community and have their voices heard, so that it's not just one episode that they become part of everything that we do every week, yes. every month. Yeah,
1: that'd be great. I hope. Yes,
2: that uh, that that, that, yes, they 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 are integral. They you know collectively are integral to our community and are um, a a part of who we are. A vibrant, important, essential part of who we are, and that their absence makes us crippled. And it is up to all of us to ensure that their presence makes us better and that they are always there and always part of everything that we do because they are a part of our community and should always be a part of things that are important in our community without exception.
1: Mm-hmm. I hope it helps people and gives them more courage to actually like, you know, want to do something and be, you know, like, you know, there, like show that, you know, they're there. That's all that I think people would want. Good. To be heard and have presence.
0: Yeah, uh, let me ask you a, a- an acknowledgement yeah acknowledgement as Mm -hmm. uh, a female non-zoo dating a zoo would you be interested in fostering relationships with other female zoos
1: yeah i actually would Mm. like that i'd actually love to talk to more women like that because it's i've never actually talked to any of them and it'd be really interesting to know like like how all that works like you know what they feel what they think You know, it's interesting because I don't know. I mean, like, I'm a woman, but I can only think so much from being one, but not like the whole zoo perspective. That would be very interesting. Mm -hmm.
2: That's a great question. One more question we have to ask. Between you and just the two of us here, what can Doodle be doing to um, better uh, support and celebrate the relationship that you have with him?
1: Mm. I I feel like... It would be better if like he put more effort and like I said no more talking just doing that's what I want and that's really all I really want because like Mm -hmm. saying one thing and doing one thing are two different things (laughs) like I just want more effort like because sometimes I feel like I'm giving like 80 percent and he's giving me 20 right gotcha and to me it feels unfair Mm -hmm. And I know he gets probably really upset with me, but it's the truth. Like, I feel that way. And I wish that, you know, he would understand where I'm coming from. Like, I'm completely different. And I just, I don't know. To me, I feel like I want to be a part of something. Like, I want that, too. Like, I want to feel special. I want to feel, you know, needed. Like, I want, you know, it's That's just, it's it's different. Absolutely. It's It's really hard some days. Where I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm like, why am I, you know, doing this? And then, you know, I always think of all the good things. And then it's just like, ah, it doesn't even matter. And some days I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. And the other days it really just gets to me.
2: It really does matter, yeah. I I, I am asking that these intrusive, um, hopefully not insulting questions, within the context of knowing that he cares um, deeply about you and loves you, and I, th- I can hear that you, you, do, uh, you care for and love him as well. And only asking the questions to uh, uh, perhaps be part of uh, the long-term uh, story of your success together, which I hope is something that we can uh, follow in the future. Mm-hmm. And certainly hope that that's something that the two of you are able to continue to build. As you yeah, that I'm
1: just trying to figure everything out. Like, every day is something new. And that's what, like... Keeps the relationship to me mm-hmm. also like interesting because there's things I learn every single day and I learn to love them even more, and that's what keeps me here. I mean, there's a lot of bad things, wow. but it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's, it's still like I want you know more, and that's what you know, I think it makes a relationship. You want everything to keep moving,
2: absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Everything you've said, I couldn't agree, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. He is very fortunate to have you in his he life, he's super fortunate. Yes.
0: Uh, having any any zoo that first of all has any non zoos that are supportive in their life, which you know most of us do, I hope, uh, but also someone who's willing yes. to really be you know, an intimate partner, all the things that that come with being in a, in a more intimate relationship. Anyone who has that as a zoo from a yes. non zoo is really lucky. Well,
2: well said. Anyone who has that in any species context uh, that's true. is lucky. Yeah, right off, right off the bat, and and for those of us in, in our world to have someone who is not necessarily part of this particular uh, world of ours, uh, with the uh, courage and curiosity and uh, integrity and willingness to reach into our world and and share uh, in who we are, mm-hmm. we are blessed to have that, and, and uh, he is blessed to have you, and and we honor. Um, uh, very much your your, um, beautiful uh, engagement with him and we hope that we can uh, meet um, collectively as a community any high expectations you may have for us because you've earned it.
1: Well, thank you. I really (laughs) hope that people actually like instead of judging you guys to actually like get to know you actually like get to know the whole like thing instead of just judging by one thing well, and i really hope that people you know will reach out and actually want to learn instead of just being very judgmental and not open-minded about things because you guys are not bad you guys are great
0: beautiful for you yeah. to say and
2: we are very grateful for you. we that. really
0: appreciate it and we really appreciate you coming on the show. Hopefully we can talk to you again soon. I'd like that.
2: Yes, very much. And a treasure. And uh, any, anytime he uh, is not doing right by you, you, you know who to call him. <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure that things get we'll kick back his ass. on track. Absolutely true. <laughs> Without hesitation. <Yes. laughs>
0: All right, next up is in the studio, my good friend, Justin. Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate you here. Hello.
2: Thank you for coming, Justin.
0: <laughs> so, Justin, I really appreciate you because you have a what I think is kind of a unique perspective. Let's start with, um, you know, how you and I kind of know each other in, in a vague sense, of course, obviously.
4: Well, my s- not yet husband and I went to a social gathering and met who is now your husband before he met ah. you. So mm-hmm. we met your husband <laughs> before you did. And then through social. Yeah. So, hmm. And then my husband met you and then it was, Oh, well then he's seeing so-and-so and <laughs> you know, right.
0: So we kind of got established as kind of like uh, gaming friends. Yeah. We like to play games together. Um, uh, we go to con together. Um, lots of stuff like that. Can
2: we broadly say that you guys then met as part of the larger world of the Pittsburgh gay scene. Is that correct for me to say?
0: That is actually probably pretty correct, but also the furry scene. Yeah. Okay, um enough. because okay. yeah, my husband and his husband are furries. Got it. But my understanding is you're not a furry, right?
4: That is correct. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. It's not my fandom. But I have another fandom.
0: You are mm-hmm. a big motherfucking gay <laughs> motherfucker. Very,
4: very Al. <laughs> uh, been very involved in the community mm-hmm. for oh, uh, more than one decade.
0: Interesting. I was gonna yeah. say, how, how, roughly, how long would you say?
4: Um, been out, out since I was nineteen. Been dating longer than that. Um, <laughs> started to get involved in the uh, community. And the city was living mm-hmm. in at the time in two thousand. That was about mm-hmm. twenty years ago. So, and then, and that's partly because I went to a, a pride parade in another city. Interesting, yeah. but before mm-hmm. that. Um, I went to multiple marches on Washington, and that really oh wow just wow. a lot of us. Wow, yeah, I'm old.
2: This makes no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You're young in comparison to some of us here. So bless your heart for saying that you're old. But um, uh, actually,
0: he is. He's a little older than you are.
2: That is not possible. Actually, that it, it, it gets into <laughs> like, like, geologic what? time spans to claim that somebody is older than me according to. <laughs> The youngsters that I hang around with on a daily basis, I am legitimately older than dirt. Like, there's dirt, then there's me. I,
4: I do actually predate dirt. So, well, in the board gaming community, there's a guy named Old Bob. Mm-hmm. I'm older than Old Bob. <laughs> nice. When you're older it's than people, who's nickname out, includes yes, old. Yeah, you're old, right? Oh, God, yeah.
0: <laughs> Don't worry, it's not stopping him from trucking. This is no. it, 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 <laughs> for,
2: based on what you've said, it, it's tempting for me to want to hijack the conversation directly over to discussions of your experiences in activism in the gay community. And, and firsthand you know, perspectives on how that felt at various points in time and how that process uh, and the trajectory of that activism has played out over the decades. However, that is not actually the subject matter of our interview here. <laughs> so I, I will, um, <laughs> having lodged a formal complaint on the official record, step back and not make attempts to hijack. But fair warning, I really, really want to. Yeah, oh, well, you know, we, ha-
0: we have plenty of time to talk about it, to be the honest. And I think part of, part of that though, um I, that i want to focus on is your perspective on zoo that has come from being in the gay community right for as long as you have
4: exactly yeah yeah i mean because i go back when you know when those gays they're all in the beastie out right yep. i mean yep. i remember hearing all that shit in the yep. 70s yep so, yep wow uh, yeah my first exposure to actually the term gay in the gay community was in oh what 75 okay Mm
2: -hmm.
4: when i found a um a look magazine i think it was look that my brother was hiding because it had Uh some new pictures in it Uh yeah the people were at a at a music festival and the women were all covered in mud and that was the only clothing they were wearing was the mud so yeah but it actually had um the year-in-review in relation to the gay-lesbian community. and Interesting. One of the first photographs I saw of a gay man was two men in church getting married in San Francisco. Wow. Wow. In yeah. the 1970s. So, but, yeah, yeah so I, again, I'm old. But, <laughs> and, you know, I was a teenager at the time. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was a young teen, <laughs> very young teen at the time. So everything suddenly made a lot of sense. And, you know, of course, you know, part of my family is are farmers, part of my family, are deeply religious. I have a great uncle who teaches at a Christian university, Mm -hmm. Baptist Christian University. You know, I got, I was hearing both sides. You know, I I saw the good stuff every once in a while. You know, like the real truth. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, grew up with all the brainwashing that we all did. But just more so because of how long it was. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it was. So there was a lot of that, and you know, in that whole area, there was. Um, a lot of aggressive education counter-education, mm. you know. Mm. So, no, we're not into BCL. Horrible, that gross, that's terrible, and da 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 da. Very, so that created a very anti. No, I see. Um, Right, doom mentality. Interesting within the LGBT community because you had to mm. define yourselves right. as separate that's from actually that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's like we're not yep. them. You right. know.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's something that I I think I've poked at on the podcast before is that a lot of the the anti-anything sentiment that comes from a minority group comes from being uh, associated with someone in order to discredit what you are. Does that make sense? So
4: You've also poked at me more than once. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you can see it in various ways, you know, in, Mm -hmm. in his 70s, more so there was a very much an undercurrent of light skin dark skin within the african-american community you know and the educated uneducated you know um we're not them and sometimes nowadays you hear the uh, the mlk's tactic of when he dealt with government people he said well you can talk to me or you can talk to the black panthers you know and that right. would get blended, right. in and that's a mistake there, because that's, right. that's not right. what he was doing at all. You it know? is. Yep. Um, because any activist will tell you, you know, you all that, the insiders, the outsiders working in mainstream, mm-hmm. and then the, the far, whichever direction you want to go, they all work in tandem. Right, uh, with each other, even though they mm-hmm. sometimes work against each other. And it was right, it all right, came out right. of that that. Like, the the history right. of the Black right. Panthers Absolutely. that a lot
0: of people have is definitely not the full history. They were, a, I mean, they were like a social welfare catalytic for. force. Yeah, yeah, and they did yes. a lot of social welfare yeah, for they the were people in their, right. in, their um, in their neighborhoods. They were just targeted, and I mean, even MLK was targeted by the government.
2: Oh, yeah. I yeah. hope that our listeners are familiar with the um, the, the story of the the carpet bombing Mm -hmm. of a city block Mm -hmm. in philadelphia Mm -hmm. that uh, took place in in the late 1970s like that yeah it really the like you say the history of the black panthers and black liberation more broadly that is sort of caricatured in today's day and age completely elides all of the social welfare components that in fact were transformative and were catalytic and without which it's hard to see That the civil rights movement itself would have had the same degree of success, although as an outsider looking in, I can't really say that definitively. Right.
0: Well, I mean, the point being is that you you get associated with a group which has an association of its own, and you try to separate Mm -hmm. yourself from that group um, by saying, you know, I might be gay, but I'm not, whatever, or I might be. You know, right. an activist, yeah. but I'm not a Black Panther or whatever it is. Uh, yeah,
4: and something right. I had to fight right. aggressively in the 90s in the LGBT community was an anti-trans environment. Mm-hmm. You know, we do not want mm-hmm. trans people in the parade. Yeah, I remember that. We don't, we, well, we'll accept that. them yeah. on the boards, but they can't take a visible role. Right. And, not exactly, publicly. Because you know, it was, visibly. quote, yeah, unquote, bad PR.
0: Considering they the a trans woman was the one that threw the brick yeah. at Stonewall, yeah. it's kind of, like, hypocritical. But... Um, society tries to take these, the, the, the lesser privileged ones and use them against so that they can continue like through other minority groups, subjugating everyone that comes after them. Yeah, And so zoo would be something
2: that comes after them. Justin, are you familiar with, uh, uh, Dan Savage, the Savage Love podcast, Justin? No. It's
4: kind of more of a West Coast. Um, I've heard of it, but I've I've never listened to any of
2: it. Gotcha. But I mean, you've heard of his name. He, uh, in the early 2000s, uh, developed the, what, the It Gets Better campaign. I think Mm, that got real high profile at one point. And uh, yeah. So Dan and I used to be in active communication for years back in the day. And to make a long story short, at a certain point in this process, Dan, who had been open-minded and curious, and engaged with the zoo community in to a degree uh, up to like you know 2005ish yeah. he made a conscious decision at a certain point what what i referred to as you know pulling the ladder up um he he felt that you know gay folks had reached a certain point of acceptance in society and in order to protect that acceptance from potential backsliding they had to pull the ladder up behind them and and so that others couldn't try to climb that ladder because mm-hmm. it would risk them if the latter stayed down and others came up in the same way that the gay community did. And I found that to be profoundly reprehensible because there were folks who were trying to pull the ladder up on the gay community before the gay community was able to gain some degree of acceptance. And if that had worked, of course, the gay community would have struggled much more. And yet Dan turned around and did exactly the same thing with exactly the same logic. And I just found it to be both cowardly and counterproductive as an activist. Well, furries
0: do it too as well. Furries gain a sort of mainstream status and they don't want to be associated with anything that's not safe for work, even though it's a significant portion of our community. Before better or worse, I think mm-hmm. for better, to be honest. Um, well, you can
4: see, you can actually see that right now today, in great. the whole pruha over HIV testing at a convention.
0: Oh my God, they're doing you HIV know, testing at exactly MFF because it's yep. good, <laughs> but people are upset about it because it's sex and it's sex in the open. And it
2: might look bad. Hmm,
0: can it you imagine bad, getting right? HIV tested yeah. like a responsible yeah. adult looking bad? Anyway, I'm not yeah, going to go yeah. there because wow. that's a little p- point of a uh, contention for me. Uh, when uh, I was
4: at an LGBT group mm-hmm. on campus when I was in college, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was some people within that group who did not want to take an active role in getting grant funding for testing, et cetera, and AIDS, a- mm-hmm. HIV awareness through our organization because mm-hmm. they wanted us to stop being gay you know, as equal AIDS. And they work against mm, it. But gay equals y- sex.
0: I
1: mean, sexuality. Exactly.
4: Right. Yeah. It's the same sort of a thing, and it's just BS. And there Justin, are conventions, and concerts, and mm-hmm. health. I have seen HIV testing at three different uh, community fairs, street fairs, sort of things.
0: And it's a good not just in to do in you're this gay city. Or
4: not. Right. You know, for my job, I travel a fair amount, and I see free testing mm-hmm. going on at other social events so you know it removes the stigma to have everybody
2: do the testing right you know that way it's not you know specifically yeah the the broader the pool the less it feels like that is a a label that gets attached to Mm -hmm. you that that you're somebody who's getting tested which seems so obvious and yet you know here we see Uh, justin looking back to like the the 70s 80s and into the early 90s as an activist to, to a greater or lesser degree within the gay community, what did it feel like in terms of um, how you perceived the the future likelihood of acceptance for gay folks in society at that time? Did it seem self-evident that there would be to some degree success or did it seem a hopeless quixotic effort or did, did it seem something in
4: between? What, what are your thoughts on that? I. I was extremely lucky in that Mm -hmm. once my family did find out, then Mm -hmm. that's when I learned that my family truly did, at their very core, found themselves on unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So because of that, and it was like, you know, you're a son, doesn't matter. You know, you're my nephew, doesn't matter. You're my brother, doesn't matter. You know, whoever the relative Mm -hmm. was, for the most part, that's what I got. That's fantastic. So, you know, you know, then I step outside of the family into the wider social world, you know, and when I finally Mm -hmm. came out to my best friend, who is my best friend to this day, we met in high school. And when I finally came out to him, um, he was mad. And he was mad not because Mm -hmm. I was gay, or not mad because I came out, Mm -hmm. he was mad because I waited three years because I didn't trust it wouldn't matter. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. He wasn't angry over. It was right. angry over. Why, I can't believe he didn't trust our friendship enough that much. Why? Why would yeah, that fair have any? Enough. enough. So right. that gave me a level of optimism, right. you right. know. And then I go out into okay. the wider world. And again, we've talked about how far back mm-hmm. in the community I go. I was at mm-hmm. the 1989 march in Washington, the first appearance of the AIDS quilt in Washington D.C.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And oh, wow. so mm-hmm. we've. My partner at the time and I walk up towards the quilt, and we get about three panels into the path, which is, oh, well, maybe 10, 15 feet. Mm-hmm. And some young mm-hmm. college guy, who knows who he is and where he's from, but he's having a pace almost physically, drag his girlfriend out mm-hmm. because she is sobbing so horribly. She just kept chanting over and over. I had mm-hmm. no idea, I had no idea, I had no idea. So, wow. you know, oh so here's gosh. this obvious fraternity jock dragging out his sorority girlfriend out and they're in you could see tears in his eyes mm. you know I mean you know mm. she couldn't see it but he was still teared up too and you know so mm. you get a, you got an inkling of hope so,
0: right. you see it on the but, front lines because you yeah, get, see things that people don't get to see
4: right right I mean you, and you, yet you, that was the era of John Ashcroft right yeah yeah oh yeah Reagan was in office so we're at the I, of I think myself. some of
0: our, our listeners may not know what that means. Can you kind of elaborate just a bit, guys? <laughs>
2: Uh, us ancient folks. Um, uh, Justin, would you like to elaborate on the meaning of uh, John Ashcroft? No, no you in, can take that one. Short, uh, short oh,
0: don't let him or, take
2: Edwin, it. Edwin Meese. Uh, how about Ed Meese? Yeah, please not me. Oh, yeah. We'll be here forever. Um, <laughs> well, how about this? I'll, I'll try to be concise. In the 1980s, uh, there was an attorney general named Edwin Meese. Mm-hmm. Let's start there, who was attorney general under Ronald Reagan, who was a movie actor with no real credentials, who became president of the United States, mm-hmm. which you know, Sounds there's history there, and um, <laughs> Edwin Meese w- w- was vehemently, publicly, violently um, um, uh, targeted the the gay community as a matter of public policy at the federal level, uh, prosecutions, um, a- a- any effort uh, to to marginalize, demonize, and and institutionalize bigotry towards towards gay folks uh, was was a, was a matter of of national policy under Ronald Reagan and Edwin Meese which you know then carried on in future uh, decades um, under future versions of Ronald Reagan's type politics, with John Ashcroft, who himself was targeting, you know, gays, uh, you know, much later, yeah. and uh, the, these were par- these were parts of official policy at the federal yeah. level targeting gays as a matter of good politics mm. because the majority of Americans saw gays as as you know beyond the pale. I, I, mm. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to summarize, yeah, so, though I'm I mean, really looking to Justin to see you know how he. How he remembers those times. I remember them, but I was a zoo seeing them from outside. What was it like as a a gay man in the 1980s with a national government and an attorney general who would get on TV and rant about gay people on a regular basis? Oh, yeah, it was it was horrible. It was rough dog. Did you feel like that was going to, I mean, what what, did you, did you perceive, did you see in your mind, in your heart, that there was a future... Um, you know, in which you know, gay marriage was celebrated, and um, at least you know, in Canada, the prime minister marches yeah. in gay pride parades, and the world has kind of embraced you know, gay folks as an important part of the human family. Was that something that you saw as inevitable, or, yeah, well, or, or well. I mean, in the 1980s, how did it feel
4: on the front lines? Well. You know, I was very much an outsider in the 80s in one regard, in that, sure. you know, I knew emotionally, absolutely, I am very much a monogamous person. And my, my dream life was to be able to find somebody, fall in love, and get married, settle out. So, mm-hmm. but I was the outsider. And it's mm-hmm. like, at that time, it was like, that's not what we need to be focused on. And we don't want to assimilate and become part of the society Interesting. that's, you know, mm-hmm. so there was that. So there was a mix of us. And the pro marriage people were okay. very much in the minority. So, but mm. again, it's well, a question it's okay. of priorities, right? Right. So at right. that time, it wasn't let's mm-hmm. fight for marriage. It's like let's stop, let's do whatever we can to stop carrying caskets to the graveyard every weekend, right? So
0: right. You interesting, right? That's a good okay. point.
4: And, you know, and then I went off to college, is, point. and in that city, um, and like a lot of Nor- you know people from our part of the country and up into New York, you know, mm-hmm. I went down to um, mm-hmm. a southern university. It's cheaper and. You know, it's very funny, you could hear more people mm-hmm. with a New Jersey accent down in the <laughs> Southern College I was in, than you, you could, you know, traveling up into New York. So, um, Right. So, and at that time, you know, then it was very much, a lot of our activity was peer canceling. And, um, You know, part of the beer counseling training was how to deal with somebody who's suicidal and what do you do and where the resources are involved. Uh, So that was our main focus. So there
0: wasn't like a a national policy hmm. goal. It was more like, let's stop dying. Let's stop killing ourselves. Let's get to a point where we feel like we belong here.
4: Keep the fight. Fight the the urgent battles now. Take care Uh of each other. And and like any heavily marginalized community like zoos are now, there was very much, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys saw it early on in your fur community, there was very much a, we take care of our own.
0: Yeah. Right? Right. Well
4: said. And right. so, okay. and then as a community becomes larger, a little bit more mainstream, some of that and a lot of that goes away to some degree or another within whatever community we're talking
0: about. Right. Isn't that uh, interesting, interesting how that happens? Yeah. Like, no, that I mean like for real, like dynamic. in our yeah. own zoo in the now, like the small community that we've built yes. around zoo now with the people that we've kind of made friends with along the way um, mm-hmm. you know someone was like I I need somewhere to stay and someone drove across the country wow. to get them to to another part of the country and like that is yep. that is the zoo community right now so I totally yep. feel that and it and and was, really, yes. yeah, was absolutely
4: yeah and it was absolutely African American community in mm-hmm. the 50s even more yes. so into the 60s yes. during the struggle you know when it was the in the trenches well part of the struggle very well right? said um right <laughs> so carpet and, bombing like it yeah.
0: was a, in the right. trenches is a really apt legitimately phrase legitimately in the
4: yeah. trenches. and yeah. for the lgbt's it was definitely the 80s you mm-hmm. know in the 90s we're starting to see some acceptance and some headway and you know they, and now you ask people who you know who's the first congressperson to ever come out and they might be able to remember his mm-hmm. name but what they don't remember is how he came mm-hmm. out and that's is a certain person who's already been mentioned mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, instituted a sting operation <laughs> with congressional pages. Oh my
0: um, God! Yep,
4: so, yeah. yep. So that's yep. how they. That
2: added. was a thing. Yeah. Wow. And I'm betting the youngster on this call might not be as familiar with that story no, as the two not. older folks are. I'm not. Yep. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Oh, that was wow. That was the day and age. Yeah. Yep. That's an excellent example. That was not extraordinary, or really subject to a lot of. Uh, protest when that happened. That was just expected behavior towards gay people. Well, yeah, he's gay. What you know? What would he? What should he expect otherwise? Right. He's right. gonna yeah.
0: get fired I mean, for being gay, or whatever it is. I guess. Because so, yeah, he didn't get fired, right. did he?
4: Uh, well, no, but no. Yeah. But well, was it yeah, from Massachusetts? Sort of. Yes. Yeah. Which, directly. Uh, know, Boston, uh, South Boston. Yes. In the last century, maybe not the 21st. Massachusetts was always extremely liberal in their voting.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Very, very right true. So, and the more. Yeah. On the left, you were the more aggressively. They they actively <laughs> voted for you uh, because it, it, part of it was they had a my, tradition my, up, all. My... right? And you know, Very I much. remember yeah. you know people I knew from school and whatnot, and even down in here, and they were like, "Yeah, this we, yep. this is who we are as as a, as a state and as as Bostonians." So uh, yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
4: I know a lot about a a few of Bostonians. I,
2: I would also point out as a matter of you know political you know political philosophy or political reality uh, his uh, his position on the appropriations committees and his mastery of financial subjects oh, yeah. in the context of congressional uh, it was unmatched and i think the fact that he had that capability and that he deployed it in service of his constituents, I remember being an important part of the debate about whether he should essentially be run out of town or not. It mm-hmm. was like, well, he's, okay, he's gay good, and that's though. disgusting, yeah. but but he's really good at what he does. So, uh, you know, you kind of maybe, yeah. you know, the phrase was maybe you hold your nose and you just kind of accept him as he is because he is really good at what he does. But boy. Otherwise, you know, you'd throw him out with the baby, you know, baby with the bathwater immediately, and that was mm. that was the culture at the time, and that was not that long ago, you know. Yeah, I mean, to paraphrase Kissinger, he may be a son of a bitch, but he's <laughs> ours. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, well said. The only <laughs> right. time we will ever have Kissinger quoted oh, on "Zoier Than Thou," I thank you for that. Yeah, that, that is that is well well Stop played, well played indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the only war criminal that we will have quoted on "Zoier Than Thou," and we thank you for that. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I want to shift the discussion just a bit here, actually by by quite a bit here. Um, so one of the discussions that you had with me one time uh, after I came out to you as a zoo. Do you remember me coming out as a zoo? I don't quite remember. It feels like it was a like a kind of a drawn out process.
4: Yeah, it was. I mean, when you finally <laughs> quote unquote did the coming out, I was like, yeah, okay. So I'm not surprised.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> so one thing you told me was really interesting. Uh, in your experience as a out gay man, active uh, sexually with uh, plenty of people over the years, because you've yeah. been here for a while. Um, and when
4: I was single, I was very single.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> Actually, said.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> what is your experience with how common zoophilia or even just, you know, I guess we want to say maybe zoophilic thoughts or desires. Oh, yeah. How common were you seeing that? Zooist tendencies.
4: Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, stuff. I'll preface this by saying when I first came out, I mean, there was only one thing to do, and that was go to the bars. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. was pretty much where, what part of town I lived in, there was, you know, within easy accessibility, there was only two bars. There was mm-hmm. the regular gay bar, drag bar, and then there was the Levi mm-hmm. leather. Bar. Oh, boy.
0: Right. That's mm. my so speaker.
4: Well, mine. and it may come as a shock to you, but, you know, <laughs> other guys, especially back then, you know, being in my late teens, early 20s, they weren't my type.
2: So very much that... not my
4: type. <laughs> but I was very much their type. So, mm-hmm. um, and nowadays I'm a bear who's not into bears, which shocks all the bears I know. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've got some even, ca- at the beginning, just casual, but then more... You know, again, you explore, you get to know people in the community and stuff like that in the Levi and leather and then into the BDSM community. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of a fair amount of experience in that community or that subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually now a lot of a lot of exposure and a lot of uh, teaching, training and even historical stuff. But as a result, mm-hmm. and I am somewhat dumb, so, but I've had a lot of partners who were sub <laughs> mm-hmm. submissives mm-hmm. and and or bottoms or submissive bottoms and mm-hmm. fully half of them if not more so have intimated that they were very interested in bottoming for at minimum a dog
0: mm.
4: and they've had those thoughts mm-hmm. they've harbored those thoughts um mm-hmm. and it's for various reasons some sometimes it's for attraction sometimes they don't admit it's because Mm -hmm. of attraction sometimes it's the submissive Mm -hmm. aspect of it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which you know being put in a submissive role or something that can put you in a submissive role makes someone or something attractive to you you know it's just an aspect right Mm -hmm. Um, like strong personality Mm -hmm. types, Mm -hmm. right so but yeah at least Mm -hmm. half of the subs i know have said that they've not only that they've definitely considered it and have thought about it and about it a lot and a fair number of those have said yes this is actually something i would like and want to Mm
2: -hmm. do this is the part of the conversation where i am not surprised and where i believe toggle is or was in the past surprised am i correct well
0: i mean i mean i guess i I kind of got the idea that it was kind of common but the idea that it was fully half or more of the people that he knew as subs uh, to me justin is very much a dom um so like in my Mm -hmm. view Everyone he knows is a sub.
2: (laughs) (laughs) By definition, right? Of course. Another thing you said is that that.
0: people who were into fisting, fully one hundred percent of them were interested. I was like, really?
4: Yeah, Uh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and again, I can only speak to my experience. But one uh, hundred percent of the people I've gotten to know and chatted with who were into heavy ass play and fisting. Expressed a desire to at least try it and the thought of doing it. Mm-hmm. was a dirt on for them mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. now Again, some of this is fetishization Right, of course, right? Of right. course. But well, not of to it. affiliate itself. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> right. you know, at least as gay men we can all Empathize and understand the stages at which you come out to yourself, mm-hmm. right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I aggressively um do not let anybody get away with saying all, oh, you know, all bi men are gay. They are just afraid to admit because that's no, bullshit. No, fuck that. Right. So yeah, I've got to yeah, take the same right. opinion and tactic here because it is still human behavior. Agreed. Right? Oh, no. agreed. I would never but, say that like agreed. all gay men like yeah. this,
0: but the idea of how common it is in your social circles uh, was fascinating to me. Not necessarily yeah. surprising, but fascinating that enough people... Would come well, out to you fair enough. about it. Yeah, fair enough. And we're comfortable fair talking enough. about it with someone. And, and yeah. then to contrast that with the idea that is cast upon us all the time, that what we do or what we right. feel is so out of the norm, um, are so yeah. beyond the pale, so um, out of bounds, when it's, it's totally a, a part of regular human sexuality.
4: And I've heard so many farm stories from farmers,
0: Oh my god. You have to tell me.
4: Absolutely. Farm stories from farmers? Yeah. No Yeah. Young Farmers (laughs) Experiment.
2: Yeah. Justin to step back here, and I don't know whether this is widely known or not, but um, in 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 sort of modern mainstream culture. There is a certain stance that is taken in regards to cross-species uh, sexual intimacy, yeah. and uh, I'll I'll paraphrase this stance, and you can tell me whether you you've heard this, you know, whether this resonates, you know, with you that you've you've got this sense too. There's there's a sense in conventional mainstream culture right now that when somebody talks about a human and a non-human having some kind of sexual intimacy with each other, there's the oh my god, shock, surprise. I cannot be- that that is absolutely unbelievable unimaginable I've never even heard that that I can't even there's there's a sort of fluttering of the of the of the of the hand you know oh heavens that the mere thought of that is beyond comprehension and this has been true for let's say 15 years in my experience my general reaction to that as a zoo who is out who has uh, had a lot of experiences talking with yeah. folks who are not out as zoos is that that's a giant crock of shit and that <laughs> when people make this big presentation about how they're shocked and surprised at the very concept which they have never even in their wildest imagination thought of before so far beyond the pale and I'm just like yeah no that's not real that's not you know that's that's
4: an entirely fake stance.
0: Have you ever watched Family Guy once? Yeah
4: right. I, yeah, yeah, I take it with the same attitude that I do when people react to other sexual activities um mm-hmm. and again yeah, right. people are going to be focused on the sexual activity not the emotional side of it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, fair enough and right. you know anybody who questions that needs to go back and look and at the the entire second half of the 20th century in relation to gay men just limit it to that okay. right okay. how so and that's all it. how so um, because you know Men were mentally, you know, gay men were mentally dysfunctional and couldn't form proper emotional bonds, and you know it was all about the sex, and that's right, all people wanted right. to talk about or focus on was the sex.
0: Right, not just that, you but know, gay right. men are predatory okay, so, against other men and young oh, boys. Oh, okay, well, yeah, and right. of course,
4: the sexual revolution of the seventies also made it um socially unacceptable within the gay male community to form on the emotional bond relationships. So, right, uh, but you know the whole right. shock and awe over finding this out is the same right. shock and awe I find shock over other awe. sexual that's awesome over yep. you know uh, yep. other sexual activities <laughs> right Right. hmm Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. Oh, I can't believe yep. somebody yep. would shove yep. something like big up into that not. kind of an orifice, and I can't believe. Un- it. Right, come on. You know. Unthinkable. Come on. Unthinkable. Yeah, come on. I remember yeah. the shock and all the you people have the had over the actress and Deep Throat and the fact that she could do what she did. Oh yes. my God. I remember That's that. That's just, I oh, do she remember she that. Thinks, yeah, it's not possible. Physically impossible. Yes.
2: She had to train for decades, years. She had to have surgery, special surgery to enable her to do it. I remember hearing that when I was in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh my God. Yeah. And for for our younger listeners, may not. Be Be aware that the small rant that Justin just provided about gay folks unable to form emotional connections, uh, socially dysfunctional, emotionally crippled, this was the mainstream conventional um, um, universally accepted in in sort of at least l- culture at large position on gay folks, gay men in particular, up through the 1990s. Like this is not some imaginary world that we're talking about. This was real and universally embraced at a, at a, at a mainstream level as the truth about gay men not too long ago and, you know, was a complete crock of shit at the mm-hmm. time, as anybody who was gay knew. Like, no, that's not who we actually are. But you could read college textbooks in psychology, and they would tell you that this is absolute fact. Proved scientific fact. Mm. And, uh, mm. you know, the, the, the fact yeah. that, that that garbage did get, um, you know, thrown out... And and fairly quickly, and replaced with a fact-based analysis of who gay folks are in a relatively short period of time is, I think, dispositive with regards to our community and the degree of garbage that tends to get shoveled on us right now. It doesn't mean that that's going to be true forever, right? It, you know, it, yep. it, 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 Although and, it can feel like it from the inside,
4: and you know, you know and as a sub or as a mm-hmm. subculture, mm-hmm. some of that gets internalized too. Mm-hmm.
0: But, oh, yes, so, absolutely. I, I can definitely very see much, there's a, there's very this much. kind of like I think about. Gay porn in Japan, where you have the yaoi, which is made by women for women to consume. It's not for men. This is not boy stuff. This is girly, mushy stuff. And bara, which is made Hmm. for men, but always with an emphasis on dispassionate, rough sex with big, burly guys.
2: Um, No emotion. No well, addition.
0: sometimes you, you've got the one guy who's always detached. If you look at even like furry kimono bara porn, you ever notice that they they they, they mm-hmm. can't connect with what's happening with their bodies? They like have a boner, but they're frowning. <laughs> they're embarrassed by it. Yeah, like I mean, no, I'm serious. It's it's a thing. Um, there's like there's there's this thing where you can't connect to to what it is you're doing. Like, yeah, I'm a dude. I want to fuck and. It doesn't mean anything. Like, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, so there's that sort of thing, even with gay culture.
4: Oh, well, yeah, there was some of that going on in, in the 80s, too. I mean, wow. one of my bar friends' name was Snake. He was a straight guy. Snake. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's his name mm-hmm. to this okay. day. And he got to the point where mm-hmm. his family started calling mm-hmm. him Snake. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and he mm-hmm. lived in a world where Snake was a good name for a guy. Um, <laughs> yep. But, you know, he also... what. Very interesting. He would go to the gay bars and he had a lot of gay friends because A, they weren't threatening and he could relax around them and not keep his card up, right? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And he was out mm-hmm. at the bars with them. There was no competition. But he also came to the gay bar, the particular gay bar I like to hang out, which has long since gone away. Okay. Because it was a good place to pick up girls.
0: Mm. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh my also, god.
4: Yeah, because yep. girls would come there because it was it a safe is. environment. Yeah, that's true. A, right. And they yes. also knew the women no also competition. knew that yeah. if there was a problem she just all she had to do was turn yep. the, any man standing next to her and she would have protection and, mm-hmm. and right so beautiful <laughs> but yeah and he used to say mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. you know look a mouth is a mouth is a mouth and there's oh what's attached mm-hmm. to it in the dark so mm-hmm. but it was you know it's this blending thing you know where he's what mm-hmm. he's blurring his lines but at the same as long as it's not emotional mm-hmm. and attached and it's okay right, right. Mm. And I, as we
2: sit here talking, I am taking notes with uh, from phrases from Justin because they are absolutely fascinating. So far, I have shock and awe, a subculture, and internalized uh, uh, dialogue or internalized components of of society's external critique of a I, subculture. Well, you know, I just this is absolutely deeply insightful and and instructive conversation from somebody who has seen this. You know, in, in your own life, uh, in your own identity, and can now look at this for those of us, you know, in 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 the zoo world, and and make comments from firsthand knowledge about how things look and where things stand and what it feels like to go through this historical uh, trajectory yeah. mm-hmm. uh, from the inside looking out. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I am really grateful for the time you're spending oh, here no because I, I can't emphasize how instructive this is. It may seem well, like an obvious, easy conversation for you. It is deeply, deeply impactful and, and empowering, I think, for us and and I believe will be for yeah, many of our for listeners.
0: Our, for our listeners, yeah. Well,
4: I'll tell you two, two semi-commonplace terms that you may yeah. have heard, which mm-hmm. if you think about it, the remarking line internalized phobia or internalized hatred about mm-hmm. yourself. And that's mm-hmm. a self hating black man or a self hating right. gay guy. Right? Mm-hmm. And we've self-aiding all heard those Jew. terms. Well, I mean, Mark's my God, we got one. a self hating black man on right, the Supreme right. Court, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yes. Interesting.
0: Um, let me ask you a question that might be a little loaded. Uh, and I, I don't know where this conversation is going to go here because I wasn't around then. I'm wondering what you feel society's dynamic about bestiality in zoophilia was pre-1990s so what was mm. the attitude
4: well 70s and 80s let's say there was the socially expressed attitude and then there were the other general attitudes mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so the socially expressed attitude we've already okay. touched on because it's still there right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it was just much more so religious speak mm-hmm. you know and even to this day i'm sure you yeah, how, would, how
2: would you summarize that that attitude yeah how would you summarize that socially expressed attitude in in the 70s and 80s it just in in your
4: words that the
2: sort of general mainstream perspective towards like, what would BC someone
0: study?
4: say oh well you know again religious became was said well you know it's a sin it's an absolute sin Got it. you're gonna absolutely Got gonna it. Go, it. To go to hell for that Got and it. even to this day you hear non-religious it. people it. using those terms right right
0: so that right. was the right. first yes. thing said
4: very much and then much. it was it's just plain wrong. Okay. you know just which wrong. was a common Got thing it. said Agreed. very commonly back then you know just, um, just wrong. Yeah, just yeah, it wrong. just plain wrong. That's not the way it's supposed to be, and, you know. Uh-huh. So, but at so, the same like, time, uh-huh. you know, and you know, uh-huh. out in and, and this is not true in all farming communities, and it's not uh-huh. a rampant thing in farming communities, yeah. but to some degree, it does happen. You know, most farming families yes. don't have to teach their kids about sex; they learn about sex because it's going on yeah. every yeah, season. They see it, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. right. Yeah,
3: they
4: so, see it. Yeah. but. You know you get into puberty and boys and sometimes girls will experiment, mm-hmm. so okay. there's an unspoken, yep. well, you know, that's just kids you're experimenting, <laughs> and you know, as long as you put it behind you, it's okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And again, you can see that same sort of applicate attitude replicated, especially in the female gay stuff, uh, gay community, the lesbian yep. community, you know, yes. Very cool. Uh, you know. Yeah. So, well, are you getting straight? Well, I went yeah. to Vassar for four years. Yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> you mean I experimented. Right? Swarthmore. <laughs> <It's> Swarthmore. <laughs> <But, laughs> my experimental so. <laughs> college years. Yes, uh, so exactly. I just want to contrast that mm-hmm. for our listeners to the paradigm today. Nothing about consent mm-hmm. was ever mentioned. Would, would you say that's correct? Correct. Yeah.
4: The closest so that's, it That's came, a big deal. Like that. <laughs> the closest it came was yeah. when people sometimes would talk about it. Mm-hmm. they would say that's not natural mm-hmm. it's not even natural for the animals the animals have to be taught and trained to do this and mm-hmm. it's not going to happen yeah. unless right. you know and mm-hmm. of course right. you know the good old boy undercurrent depending on what part of the country you're in there was always this sneak down to tijuana and watch mm-hmm. the uh the woman on stage <laughs> with her mule the donkey show yeah, exactly yeah. so it was uh, yeah that that's a
2: that that that's such a huge deal and a huge difference because what we're told today particularly as frontline activists Justin you know in the world of cross species stuff is that oh no no this doesn't have anything to do with a religious you know objection and it's not that we're just saying that it's weird or wrong or different this is somehow an intrinsic violent act towards any non-human involved in a sexual activity with a human that there's like this inherent me- uh, ontological violence as part of this yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that has that has become the sole and primary and and universal justification for why it's okay to hate people in our community. And those of us who have been around tend to point out the fact that weirdly, you go back twenty or twenty five years, and there was a completely different justification used. Odd how that is. Yeah. And this has just kind of been made up out of thin air. You also, right. uh, and yeah. as
0: I found out today on Twitter, I was talking to someone on Twitter, and I said, "You know, um, it's all it's all abuse until." You're jerking off a do- uh, a horse to get its sperm to sell because it's very valuable. They said there's a difference between mm-hmm. masturbating a horse for breeding purposes and fucking your dog because he wants it. And I well, said, yeah, the difference you know, is that right. one is exploitative.
4: <laughs> On the rare occasions when and something like this, right. yeah, when when something along this topic ever came up um, in my years as a as a LGBT activist. Um, one of the mm-hmm. very fairly active lesbians in town for a while was a veterinarian mm-hmm. and so the subject mm-hmm. of acquired because she, you know she was just casually mentioned that she had to go you know gather a semen sample until the discussion came up and mm-hmm. you know they were like mm-hmm. why and she said well yeah it's the easiest and it's the best way it's the healthiest for the animal how can that be healthy for the animals she said interesting well you know there are you right. can use a an electric probe where you shove it up its ass, but it's yes. extremely yes. painful for That's the true. animal. Right. Right. So right. a lot yes. of the electro right. Right. mechanisms by which semen is acquired, especially yes. in medium to medium large animals, it can yes. be painful for the animal. Mm-hmm. But you've got to go back and it you've got to painful. examine. Yeah. you've got to ask the question. You know why consent? You know why is it? consent Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the it all boils down to the fundamental core assumption that is so fundamental that a lot of people not only can't articulate they don't even realize that that is it and the Mm -hmm. fundamental assumption is Mm -hmm. there is no way that any of this activity could be natural for the end this is completely Uh, unnatural for the natural that is the fundamental law by natural in the sense of concept spring yeah you right. know, and they when I say fundamental law, I mean are... it's written in stone in people's brains. Right? Right. Yeah. That it, it, is the it's fundamental law. It's
0: never really consent. It's about um, crimes against nature, if you will.
4: Yeah. And um, I'm not questioning the validity of it or the invalidity of it. I'm just at least saying, because it's one of the things we right. learn when pointing we pointing out that's. Yeah. You know, in sociological and psychological um, training, it's one of the things that you learn is that you've got mm-hmm. to go back and look at what's the root cause. What's the root cause? What are the fundamental mechanisms, right? Uh and so Mm -hmm. if it Mm -hmm. you can't say well it's just a natural well what makes it that way where does the concept of natural and unnatural come from Uh and where does this concept of consent and non-consent come from but again this whole concept of it you know it's a you know being attracted to um, organisms outside your species is always Mm -hmm. for a long time and it it, it really does it goes all the way back to the Old Testament and Mm -hmm a Mm -hmm. lot of the rules and the laws within the old testaments were came from from two mechanisms a to separate us from them um circumcision Mm -hmm. is one of those and Mm -hmm. to prove that our God is better than your God very true so Mm -hmm. this religion engages in um cross gender sexual activity we will not this Mm -hmm. uh church Mm -hmm. or this culture is okay with cross-species sexual activity, so we will not, and we will make it at heart, those are rules. Right. right. But that being said, right. the cross-gender right. sexual activity, it's mm-hmm. not as strictly perfect, mentioned in the Old Testament as people think it is. Otherwise, it would be a top 10. That is true. Right? Right. Um,
2: right. right. Well, same and, and with it's stuff. It's, it's, same it's with stuff. mentioned, it's and mentioned hand in hand glove
4: with bestiality. <laughs> right. And almost every right. mention in the Old which Testament of bestiality, has yeah. to do with temple behavior and them, not us mm. true. One well of said. the ways that yep. they are evil Yeah, that's because what they, they do in thing.
2: their temples. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very true. So, Good point. Actually, very interesting point yeah. you make there.
4: Yeah. At least within Outgroup. the Judeo-Christian side of culture, which is about all I can speak to, yeah. a you know, um, yeah. Jewish and or European culture born from all of that. That's about all I can speak to for my experience. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, Asia, right. Native Americans of either continent, I have far less experience with that. Um, we we would love to see a an, a, a scholarly uh,
2: a research project that looks at the treatment of cross-species intimacy in non-Abrahamic religions, I I believe that is an open space on the academic map that will be filled in at some point and will be fascinating to see because there is such a a wide diversity out Mm -hmm. there and most of us can only really speak to the
0: Abrahamic face. Right. And I mean, I'm just, I mean, honestly, you think of Hellenic, like Zeus was like, Mm -hmm. I'm a goose, let's fuck," And women were like, okay, cool, let's do it. <laughs> I guess yeah. that was just the thing that happened.
2: The Minotaur. I'm
0: gonna. I'm a bull. And the Minotaur. And they're like, "Yeah, yeah Lord, you've Lord, got Lord. a yeah. nice package yeah. there, Zeus. Let's yeah. fuck."
4: Absolutely. And everyone's yeah.
0: like, "Okay, well, yep. I guess that's the thing that happens." Yep.
4: Again, and then that's <laughs> nothing. Well, then, then there are, those stories are used as weapons against that religion.
0: Mm.
4: When the right oh, the, by the, American when the yes, when yeah, the Holy right. Roman Empire starts to form and become who it is, yeah. right? So. Mm. There
2: are, there are many there are many native um, aboriginal uh, religious traditions that uh, see the founding of, of reality, the founding of either the, you know, the creation of the planet or the creation of our universe as having taken place during a, a sexual activity between either two animals or an animal and a man or animal and a woman, mm-hmm. a non-human and a human. These, these, these uh, cross intersectional uh, species uh, crossing couplings are often perceived as particularly fecund And able to generate the fabric of reality itself through their mixing of the human and the non-human. Far from being uh, rejected, they seem to be celebrated at some fundamental level, although my academic credentials here are are horrifically lacking and I do not Mm -hmm. want that to be a definitive point. I think even as a layman looking at many traditions, uh, it is not possible to uh, to uh, fail to see how the cross species side of things is much more embraced and much less a subject of derision and, and Justin's point that well of course the Abrahamic faiths come along and say yeah that's how everybody else does that, that's wrong we do the opposite of that to to draw a line between ourselves and them they're bad, we're good, we don't do that, they do and it yeah. almost becomes definitional that they would reject that kind of thing as, as part and part of, of carving themselves out as a distinct entity in opposition to the previous uh, religious traditions mm. they were seeking to supplant. Right. All right, and so we
0: have gone for a while here, Justin. Uh, is there any last word that you want to say to our listeners?
4: I will say, you know, if you're off alone thinking what you think and feeling what you feel, you're not alone. Hmm. And well said. You know, well said. If awesome. you have these things, it doesn't make you a bad person. Thank okay? you. Mm-hmm. Doing bad things makes you a bad person. Bad thoughts don't make bad people.
0: Right. You know, and, and that is from-
4: just like the gay and lesbian community, just like other mm-hmm. uh, marginalized communities, being who you are doesn't make you innately evil. It makes mm-hmm. you unpopular mm-hmm. in society. It doesn't make you innately evil. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you've. You know, if you can reconcile everything within yourself, that's great. If you can't, you've got to understand that feeling a certain way, like you may be feeling, doesn't make you an evil or a bad person. Mm. You know, the person who taught me to say that was a psychologist with years and years and years of therapy mm. within the gay and lesbian and other mm-hmm. marginalized communities. Nice. You know, because mm. all, because it comes from deep knowledge. Yeah. yeah so many marginalized communities that are a part of a bigger community right mm-hmm. um like mm-hmm. african-americans being brought over and marginalized gay and lesbians etc even native mm-hmm. americans um mm-hmm. you're taught to hate yourself mm-hmm. for being yourself very much and mm-hmm. yes you've got to understand that just like you were taught that was wrong you were taught the hatred of yourself and mm-hmm. you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta work against that to, that stuff too.
2: As an activist who has worked in the gay and lesbian side of the world for decades, as a final question for you, I would have and can't help but ask, would you have any words of advice or wisdom to share with those of us who are frontline activists within the zoo community, given the road
4: you have traveled yourself? Um, I hate to use it because it's overused, but it is so the first time I ever heard it. Mm -hmm. It was 110% appropriate. It gets... Better, mm-hmm.
0: mm.
4: you know, and small one steps. of the things I have mm-hmm. learned over the over mm-hmm. the decades, it's not the big steps that make mm-hmm. a difference in your mm-hmm. life and in your world. It's always the small mm-hmm.
0: steps. Right,
4: and I cannot That's tell you how show. many times yes. over the years that someone I knew in high school, someone I knew in my early college days in the '80s, somebody I knew in the '90s when mm-hmm. I got back involved in university when I went back to school um, has come back to me and said, I have to thank you. All you, you know, and I was like, for why? He said, well, you said this once, or you did that once. And it made me hmm. realize hmm. just how okay I am. And hmm. the biggest gains will be accomplished by the most small steps. Fight the big fights, fight I the hard battles, said. because yeah. you can't let um, and for any marginalized community within this country, they should not be mm. second class citizens, period. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to maintain mm-hmm. that vigilance in that fight. But at the same time, it's the day to day actions you take with those you know that make the biggest impression and have the lasting effect. And it's those things that carry that. downstream. Mm-hmm. So That's
0: it's fantastic. always the
2: small steps. That That's matter. exceptional advice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for,
0: for for joining us, Justin. I really appreciate you coming out to the studio. Like I can't, I can't thank you enough. It's it's been awesome.
2: Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Enjoy doing it. Likewise, couldn't agree more. Thanks for your time. Have a great evening tonight. Right. You too. All
0: right. Well, that's our show then.
2: Our thankful thanks, friends, for listening to yet another episode of Zooier Than Thou. Next full moon, we'll be talking about coming out of the Zooey closet. That'll be cool to listen to. So this time around, don't miss it for anything. Actually, for real, don't miss it for anything.
0: You can subscribe to the podcast via our RSS feed. Just point your favorite podcast client at RSS out zoo.wtf and off you go. You can even find us on Spotify, YouTube, Alexa, and the company whose namesake is not in fact, Tim <laughs> Apple. We're everywhere.
2: Our podcast's website is still zoo.wtf. Why? Frankly, we'd rather not talk about it. Mm-mm. Our Twitter handle is at Zooier Than thou, and you can follow Zooey's Naughty Advice now and forever in the future at ask z-o-o-e-y you may follow me Fausti at l-e-c-o-n-t-e-s-p-i-n-k the lord knows why you'd want to <laughs> or toggle at one big grumpy rat because he does cool stuff on twitter so you should follow him
0: <laughs> a reminder that we have a form that enables anonymous submissions to the podcast on our website mm-hmm. zoo.wtf You can send drafts of civil motions for Fausti to review for our next Legal Beagles episode. Ask Zooey Cosmo-worthy questions about what does and does not qualify as foreplay. Or send us inexplicable questions like, is B-movie a zoo movie?
2: That's actually a true story. (laughs) A question we actually received. The answer is yes. And also the answer is yes. You could have contacted me, co-host Fausti, to ask me that question through my website, fausti.org. Or you could just hack into it and post a few updates for me. That would actually be really awesome because I've been really slow in posting updates. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Sharing is caring and Zewier Than Now cares. Therefore, you should share Zewier Than Now to show you care. <laughs> also, happy Thanksgiving. Happy
2: American Thanksgiving, he means. Oh, no. All non-humans involved in the production of this episode... Respect the fact that American Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving and are also <laughs> thankful that sex is awesome. True story, they are. True story, a knot in hand is worth two in the sheath. Mm, wise words there. <laughs> be nice to each other, folks. It continues to be the sexiest, zooiest thing you can do. This is Old Man Fausty, and I'm thankful that with age comes wisdom.
0: And this is Toggle, and I'm thankful to be young enough not to have to think about silly things like wisdom. Oh, yeah. And you've almost finished listening to Zooier Than Now. Stay defiant, fellow zoos. We'll see you next time you feel like howling at the moon. Aroo!
2: I'm still too old to howl, but thanks anyway.